This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, what we would like to talk to you a little bit about today is looking to the future. Looking to the future. And we're going to see what God's Word has to say about that. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Has anybody here already reached perfection? See? No. I didn't see no hands raised. We're in an honest crowd. Yes, we are. Hey, how about that? And it says, But I keep working hard toward that day when I will finally be all, 100%, I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear friends, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all, 100%, all my energies on this one thing. Hmm. I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. A a single-minded concentration and determination here. I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past. I'm forgetting the past. And I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, hopefully you're identifying with this passage as we're reading it. You're forgetting the past and you're looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, Will Rogers, he said... Don't let yesterday use up too much of today. Don't let yesterday, you need to forget the things behind you. Don't let yesterday, he said, use up too much of today. There's some pretty good wisdom in that. You know, it's hard to move forward if you're always looking in the rearview mirror. It's not safe. To move forward if you're only looking in a rearview mirror. It's not safe to drive down the road if you're only watching the rearview mirror. That's right. And it's the same with our Because you're liable to be in that rearview mirror shortly. (laughs) I'm trying to figure that one out. On the side of the road somewhere. (laughs) Taking up the bushes or something or another. If you're always looking in the rearview mirror, think about that for just a little bit. But we will never be all that Christ wants us to be as long as we dwell on the past. If you're always just dwelling on the past, you can't see what God's doing in your future. And God does a lot in your future if you will allow him to do so. So let's focus on the future. He says here in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22... Throw off. Don't try that one now. We'll do it one more time. 
You're getting it. Let's do it again. <laughs> Throw off all that stuff that we need to get rid of. We genuinely do. Where is that? Right. Throw off your old evil nature. Throw it off. I don't make no apology about it. You know? Throw off your old evil nature. That's what he says. And your former way of life, which is rotten through and through. That means there's nothing good in it. Nothing good. It's full of lust and deception. Like someone who's fallen into pig poop. Is that okay if I say that? Yep. I already done did it now, you know. <laughs> and you think about that, you must throw it off. If you got it all over you and you're in the midst of it all, you got to throw it off and forget it. You got to get cleaned up. You got to get free from your past. That's what it's talking about. And he tells us here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, he says, Obey God because you are his children. Don't slip back into your old ways of doing evil. And this is relevant to us all right here. Mm -hmm. This is relevant. Don't slip back into your old ways of doing evil. You didn't know any better then. And here in Genesis chapter 19, it's talking about Lot and it's talking about his wife. And it says, but Lot's wife, she looked back. She looked back. She was looking back. What was the name of that city she came from? Sodom and Gomorrah. She was looking back to Sodom and Gomorrah, and then her husband was walking away from it. You know, maybe she was walking backwards. That's not a safe thing to do, anyhow. But it says, But Lot's wife looked back as she was following along behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. God had specifically told them not to look back. He had sent two angels into the city to let them know that they needed to leave the city because God was going to destroy the city because of the, the evil of that city, the homosexuality and the, the condition that that city was in, that God was going to destroy it. So he was providing protection and a way out for them, but he told them not to look back. Don't look back. And she constantly looked back behind her and the Bible says, and that's what she always was. She died as a pillar of salt. That's what happened to Lot's wife. And then as we look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Instead there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts. There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. And God is talking to us here in this generation, in this year, on this particular month, on Sunday, He's talking to us right now. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts. We got to start thinking better thoughts. We can't allow those thoughts and the things that People would watch on TV that would inspire the thoughts 
that they carry with them. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature. You must display a new nature. I must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous and holy and true. We got to portray this in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's what he's telling us. He says we must. We must. Must. We must. You know, you must breathe oxygen or you will die. That makes sense, don't it? Mm -hmm. We got to breathe oxygen. Every so many minutes or, or we kick the bucket. And then he goes and says in verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything, that would be 100%, wouldn't it? It would be. Let everything you say be good and helpful. That's talking to everybody in here. Whatever you say for the rest of this day and for the rest of tomorrow and the next day and the next day, as long as you live, must be good and helpful. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The people who hear you speak today. Is it going to be good and helpful to them? Is it going to be encouragement to them? And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Make sure that your lifestyle honors the almighty, most high, holy God. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31, it says, get rid of most. All. Okay. Get rid of 50% of the. All. 100%. That's 100%. All bitterness. All is, is 100%. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all bitterness. That means not a trace should be left. You mean I can't be bitter at you? No. You Where, where's my water? Uh, here, you can have mine. <laughs> get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all harsh words. Get rid of slander as well as all 100% types of malicious behavior. Mm-hmm. You got to get rid of it. It's not something that God blesses and he honors. Mm-hmm. You got to get rid of that. You cannot inhabit that or let that inhabit you. He says here in verse 32, he says, instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Forget your past sins, and you got to forgive and forget the sins of others. 
You can't just keep on dwelling on them over and over and over and over. The devil reminds us of our past sins and he reminds us of the sins of others. And we got to forget those things. That's right. You Don't know, let it control you. We cannot hold unforgiveness in our heart for any injustices that we faced. Because it will, it will trap us. It will hold us in bondage. If we are holding in our heart bitterness or unforgiveness, we, need, we just need to forgive. No matter what the injustice is. All right. But why? Because God, through Christ, has forgiven us. That's why. He has forgiven us. So He has forgiven us of so many horrible well, things has. of our past, then we should be willing to forgive others. And that's where freedom is, is, is right. not only receiving forgiveness for ourselves, but giving forgiveness to others who have done us wrong. Yep. You got to lose all that stuff behind you. That is right. You can't just bring it into the next day, into your future. You got to leave it behind you. You've got to lose it. You know, it's yeah. got to be out of your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to the next moment, when you leave this building here, you got to leave all that stuff in the past. You got to leave it here and, and we'll sweep it up and throw it away. Yeah. You can't carry it with you. You genuinely can't because it will mess up your life. It will hinder your forward progress. It will hinder your future. Exactly right. The word forgetting means to lose out of your mind. It means to lose it. It's not going to be staying in your mind. Intentionally. Intentionally. Yeah, to to neglect thinking about whatever it is intentionally. To cease to remember. You're right. To leave behind, to fail to think about. To neglect willfully, to disregard. That's what we need to do. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14 says, I strain. I I strain to reach. You know, I keep working toward that day and I'm straining to reach the end of the race. We don't want to quit halfway through. No, we don't. We don't want to just stop and lay down. He says, I strain to reach the end of the race. You never stop short of the end of that race. To the mark, to the goal, to the finish line. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Hmm. Do you ever run with heaven in view? You'll run your race a lot different if you'll run with heaven in view. Think about that, you know. Set your heart upon heaven. This, this other world I'm talking about. Forcefully advancing. Do you know that's in the Bible? Yeah, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. I don't think we have that in our PowerPoint. But it says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. You know, our world today, our culture, our media would have us to think that the kingdom of God is shrinking. But that's not what God's word says. His word says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. That's right. And it says that forceful men and women will lay hold of it. That's right. That's what God wants us to do. To lay hold of his kingdom. To lay hold of his kingdom work. To lay hold of the things that he is doing. 
Because he's doing some amazing things. Yes. And our future is in his hands. It's not in anybody else's hands. Our future is, is in the hands of God. You're right. And he says here, I'm going to read it again. <clears throat> Philippians 3.14. I strain to reach the end of the race. And receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Did you know he's calling us up to heaven? Mm -hmm. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 it says, for I can do everything. Now, what percentage is that? 100%. That's 100%? Mm -hmm. I got to get mixed up on my percentages sometimes, <laughs> you know? He 100%. says, I can do everything. That's 100%. With the help of Christ, who gives me the strength I need, I can do everything I need to do. I can do everything. He tells me I can with the help of Christ. Right. And he is always trying to help me who gives me the strength that I need. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, whatever happens, dear friends, may the Lord give you joy. Whatever happens, may the Lord give you joy. I never get tired of telling you this. I am doing this for your own good. And then he tells us something. He says, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for the dogs and those wicked men and their evil deeds. Watch out for those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship God in the spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in human efforts. We put no confidence in human efforts, whatever you're doing. And said, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. That's so important that we don't put our confidence in our human efforts. You're right. Because we can't get done what God needs us to do by our human efforts. You're right. We can only do it by the power of his Holy Spirit. By you're the right. transforming power of his word. Can That's we right. do the things that he's called us to do? We can not put confidence in human effort. Although that's what the world would have us to think we're supposed to do. You're right. That our confidence should be in our own human efforts. But that's not God's way. He says here, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. You want to boast about something? You want to brag about something? You tell people what God has done for you. Verse 4 says, said, I could have confidence in myself if anyone could. That's Paul saying that. If others have reason for confidence in their own self, in their own efforts, I have even more! Exclamation mark. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family. That is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strict obedience to the Jewish law. And zealous, question mark, and zealous. Let me tell you about zealousness. And zealous, yes. In fact, I harshly persecuted the church. 
He was zealous about persecuting the church and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought that all, 100%, I once thought that all these things were so very important. All of his own human effort. He, he once thought, thought this is the big to do. Oh, all that I can do, all that I can do with my own human strength. He said, I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless. 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 Worthless than nothing. Hmm. Worthless because of what Christ has done. He's done it all for me. Verse 8 says, yes, everything. That's 100%. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's all worthless. So he was weighing all that he had accomplished in his own human effort with the priceless knowledge of knowing Christ as his Lord. And all of this was worthless. It, It wasn't meaningful at all anymore. It was just what Christ had done for him. You're right. He says in verse 9, and become wait, okay, let me start back in verse 8. The rest of verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything. 100%. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. Are you willing to throw everything away if that's what it took to have Christ in your life? Or you say, well, I can't give up this. You know, I can't give up that. I can't give up this. I can't give up that. What if he says, well, you can't have that if you don't have Christ in your life. What do you say? And become one with him. He says here, and become one with him. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ. Discarded everything. Discarded everything, 100%. Everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become, what's that? What's the word? One. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own goodness. My own human effort. My, my ability to obey God's law. I, I can't count on my own goodness, on my own strength. The, the ability to obey, obey God's law. But I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. That's just believing what he says. Believing it. What he has said. Not doing something, but believing what he has said. As a result, this is verse 10, as a result, I can really know Christ. And experience some mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can learn what it means to suffer with him. Sharing in his death. 
so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. You follow his example in everything that you do and you can experience a resurrection from the dead. That's what he says. So That's all, how you get to heaven. All that we've read there, verse 1 through verse 12, was leading up to where we began in the very beginning. Now picking up with verse 12. Verse 12 says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. Have we become all that Christ Jesus saved us for? Have we become all that he wants us to be? Verse 13 says, No, dear friends, I am still not all I should be. We're all works in progress. <laughs> but I am focusing all, 100%, I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. That's right. Are you forgetting the past or you just keep focusing on the past? Dear, you stick here with the rest of the service. <laughs> are you looking to the future or do you keep focusing on the past remember the battle of Brandywine Creek with George Washington General George Washington after they crossed the bridge his officers asked should we burn the bridge or leave it in case we need to retreat Washington's most noble reply was... Burn the bridge! That's what Washington told him. You burn the bridge. It's either victory or it's death. Burn the bridge. Don't make a way that you can go back into the world. Mm -hmm. Don't leave provision to disobey Almighty God and go somewhere where you ought not to be. That's what he's telling us. Burn the bridge. It's either victory or death. You, you forget the good old days. There are brand new days before you. What have you done in obedience to God lately? What have you done in response to God's tug at your heart lately? Verse 14, it goes on to say, I strain. I keep seeing that word in there. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. I'm straining to reach heaven. That's what he's talking about. I'm straining to reach heaven and, and to follow him wherever he leads me to go. Here's an old hymn that I've heard a few times in my life. It goes, Onward, Christian soldiers. You mean it's not saying backwards? Onward! Onward. And, and, and you don't do onward going this the other way. way. Nope. If you're going yonder way, you know? But we come alongside each other. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, 
He leads against the foe. Forward into battle. See his banners go. And I'm talking about when you set this in place, the best is yet to come. When you follow Jesus in these ways. This is what it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans. This is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. What kind of plans are they? Good. For good. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. What, what does hope mean? A confident expectation for the future. What does hope mean? That's what he's talking about here. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let us, every one of us, whatever it is that slows you down in your walk with the almighty God, he says, strip it off. Strip off every weight that slows us down. The weights may be successes, you know, even if it's sin, it can easily hinder our progress. What hinders your progress in your relationship with God? It really don't need to be there. That's what he's telling us. And let us run with endurance. The race that God has set before us. Let us run with endurance. You don't quit. You don't give up. <clears throat> Let us run with endurance. The race that God has set before us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 26 says, So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every other step. In every step. So I run straight to the goal. With purpose in every step. That's awesome. Purpose I'm like a step. boxer who misses. What's it say? I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. Hmm. What kind of boxer is that? I'm trying to find my place in. <laughs> I'm not like a boxer who misses his, his punches. You ever seen a boxer who couldn't hit nothing? You see somebody standing out there and they're... She's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm preparing for this boxing match I got coming up. It's like, well, who are you boxing? Shadow boxing ain't hitting nobody. Is that the way we fight against the enemy of our soul? We're just like, just missing, you know? And we're just throwing punches, but we ain't making contact anywhere. He says, I'm going to start back up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Got purpose in every step. I am not. I am not like a boxer who misses his punches. Who's just punching and just punching and fighting air. He says, I'm not that kind of a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Not just what feels good, but I'm 
disciplining my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Hmm. Verse 2. Of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do this by keeping, not just like once a week or, or once a month, but we do this by keeping, keeping. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. You know, we glance at the saints. You read about them in, in the Bible. And, and, and some people just take a little glance and take a little glance and take a little glance. It says, but we glance at the saints, but we gaze upon Jesus. You keep your eyes upon Jesus. We only have eyes for Jesus. And we keep our eyes on him and we're following him. He goes on to tell us in verse 2, he was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside, besides, beside God's throne in heaven. He was looking to the future, to what would be gained by enduring the cross. That was us. Us? Yes. We were the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. As a matter of fact, you know, from the, the time Jesus came to this world, he took every step with purpose. He did. To Leading restore him. us into close, wonderful, awesome relationship with himself and his father. That's right. Every step was leading him to the cross to die for our sins. And he kept that in mind through everything he endured. The and joy of, of giving us an eternal relationship with God our Father. And, and, and we know he died in our place. He forgave our sins. But I'm going to tell you, he threw a knockout punch with that. He rose from the dead. He surely did. And he's alive right now. He threw an awesome punch at the enemy of our soul. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. That's what I'm talking about. Just making sure you didn't take too many pages there. John chapter 4. Go ahead. John chapter 4 verse 34. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And from finishing his work. Do you think that's our nourishment also? It should be. It can be. Doing what God has called us to do? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. You remember how uh, there was an old fa farmer who taught his son how to plow? Mm -hmm. and, and this old farmer, he, he got hooked up you know, to his horse and he plowed. 
You know, you followed a long straight road to the end. I mean, it was, you could hardly see it. It was so far away. And then he went to that other side and then he told his son, now you keep your eyes on me. No matter what, you keep your eyes on me. Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't look behind you at blunders where maybe you fell down. Or don't look behind you and say, oh man, I'm doing really good. That's what the father was teaching his son. He said, you keep your eyes on me. On the other side of this long furrow, you only planted one row or you only plowed up one row and keep your eyes on me. Don't get distracted. And that's what the enemy is always trying to do is to distract us. In Luke chapter 9, 62, it says, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then he looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, that's what the devil would like to have us do though. It said that we are always looking in that rearview mirror, that we're always looking behind us. And he's the one that is constantly trying to whisper in our minds all of our past sins. And he's the one that says, God can never use me because of all the things that I've done. But he is a liar. You know, when you have accepted Christ as your Savior and you are forgiven and you walk in forgiveness and you continue to walk in the way that God would have you to walk, that's moving forward. It is. And you don't need to listen to those lies that the enemy would be whispering in your ear. Right. Don't look back. While you're looking back, none of us, while any of us are looking back, we are not fit for the kingdom of heaven. But when we look forward... Keeping our eyes on Jesus and keep moving forward to the future that God has for us. That's right. Then He can use our lives. Luke nine sixty two says, "Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God." And I can venture to say, if if all of you guys, when you leave here in a little bit to go home. And you just look in your rear view mirror, but you don't look forward at all. You're only driving in the rear view mirror. You're going to probably have an accident before you get home. That's just the way it is. You need to look ahead of you. You need to look forward. He says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says, Above all, 100%, above all else, guard your heart for it affects Everything. That's 100% of what you do. Above all, above 100% helps guard your hearts for it affects everything you do. Avoid all. So I'm at 100% here, right? Yes. These will tell us what it is. Mm-hmm. Avoid all perverse talk. Do you talk perversely? Do you Use words that you shouldn't use. You wouldn't want me to hear it. Think about it for a moment. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay far from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. How does this apply though to that avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech? How does that apply to our everyday lives? Even even as far as if you're at work. 
or at a family gathering and somebody starts telling a joke that is not appropriate. We need well, to avoid it. I think it's better to honor God mm -hmm. than it is the rest of the world. That's right. And just because they disobey God, that don't mean that I have to disobey Him. Yeah. I choose to honor Him. That's what He tells us. Avoid all perverse talk. Oh, what percentage is that again? 100%. Avoid all, 100% of perverse talk. Stay, what's that next word? Far. How far is that? As far as you can get. Stay far from corrupt speech. Mm -hmm. Don't use profanity. Don't use words that would dishonor your grandmama. Don't use words that would dishonor Almighty God. He says in verse 25, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. We need blinders. <laughs> well, we, are y'all familiar with blinders? They'll put that on a mule or something or other and put him out in the field and he would just walk straight. He couldn't see left and he couldn't see right because he's got blinders on. So he just walked the way that you got him set to walk, you know. And we need blinders. I think God's word is good for our blinders. <laughs> it know? really is. It, it distracts us from looking at things and, and reading things and seeing things that we ought not to. Mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about here. Avoid all perverse talk and stay far from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Your future. Mark out a straight path for your feet and then stick to the path and stay what? Safe. Stick to the path and stay safe. And then in verse 27 he says, don't get sidetracked. Hmm. The devil is always trying to sidetrack us. You know? Hey, come over here. Oh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll show you something. I want you to do something. You know, that's what the devil will try to do to distract us. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You know, turn not to the, to the right hand or turn not to the left hand and remove your feet from evil. Don't go that way. So he's telling us, if you turn to the left, you're just, a, you know, if I, if I just turn to the left, I'm only a quarter of a turn from facing 100% the opposite direction. God don't want us to do that. No. Because if you turn over here and you start looking at things you ought not to, reading things you ought not to look, it's just a little, little bit before you're facing the wrong direction. And you don't want to be facing the wrong direction. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 32, you shall observe to do Ye shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. He says, don't go looking at things you ought not to look at. Don't go reading things you ought not to read. Don't turn that way. Keep your eyes focused forward. Deuteronomy 17 verse 19 and 20, it talks about guidelines for a king. It says he must always keep this copy of the law with him to keep God's word with him 
and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of this law. So he's saying that a a king should always be keeping God's word with him, reading it daily. Verse 20, this regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. I think this should be a requirement for every politician that holds office. This regular reading will will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he's above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. This will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 says, No one, this is God speaking to Joshua, no one will be able to stand their ground against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you will lead my people to possess all. That's 100%. That's right. All the land I swore to give their ancestors. Again, he says, be strong and very courageous. Obey all. That's 100%. All the laws. Yes, you can. All the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them. Mm. And you will be successful in everything you do. Everything, what percentage is that? That's 100%. What a promise. If we obey God's word, it says that we will be successful in everything we do. Study. That is awesome. Study this book of the law, God's word, continually. Study it 100% of the time. Meditate. Meditate on it. Day and night, so you may be sure to obey all. 100%. That is written in it. And then again, it says, only Only then then will will you you succeed. succeed. There's no other way to succeed. You you can't disobey God and succeed and and have your heart's desires. You can't disobey him. He loves us and he challenges us which way to go. And he empowers us to go that way. Verse 9, he continues on. It says, I command you. For the third time, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you wherever. That's 100% of the places you go. The Lord is with you. Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says, And you will hear a voice say, This is the way. Turn around and walk here. Hmm. God will guide us. He will show us the way. Genesis 41, verse 37. This is talking about Joseph. Now, Joseph was, he, God favored Joseph. He was a special young man. He was uh, envied by his brothers. And his brothers decided to get rid of him. They threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him. But then they decided to sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery. He was taken into Egypt and he was bought by a man named Potiphar. Now Potiphar's household was blessed because Joseph was there. Because God's hand of favor was on Joseph. 
But Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph, and so he was thrown into prison. Because Joseph would not have an immoral relationship with her. He would not look to the right hand or to the left. He only looked to what God would have for him. And while he was in prison, the prison was blessed because he was there. Everywhere Joseph went, there was God's blessings. And while he was in prison, he interpreted the dreams of a couple of other prisoners. And those interpretations, those came true. They were 100% accurate. They were. So when the Pharaoh of the land had a dream that nobody could interpret, they remembered Joseph and they brought him before the Pharaoh and he interpreted the dream which foretold of a coming famine in the land of Egypt. That's where we're picking up here. So Joseph had some suggestions for the Pharaoh in light of the fact that a a famine was coming. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his advisors. As they discussed who should be appointed for the job of overseeing what was going to take place in preparing for this famine, Pharaoh said, who could do it better than Joseph? For he is a man who is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Wow, what a thing to be said of any of us that this person is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 39, turning to Joseph, Pharaoh said, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, you are the wisest man in the land. I hereby appoint you to direct this project. You will manage my household and organize all my people. Only I will have a rank higher than yours. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh placed his own signet ring on Joseph's finger as a symbol of his authority. He dressed him in beautiful clothing and placed the royal gold chain about his neck. Pharaoh also gave Joseph the chariot of his second in command. And wherever he, Joseph, went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Joseph was put in charge of all Egypt. Can you imagine how Potiphar and his wife felt when Joseph went by? And they were told to kneel down. Potiphar and his wife worked for the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh, yeah. And they had falsely accused him. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am the king, but no one will move a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Pharaoh renamed him Zaphonath-Paneah and gave him a wife, a young woman named Azanath the daughter of Potiphar, priest of Heliopolis. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was only 30 years old. 30 years old. When he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he made a tour of inspection throughout the land. Sure enough, for the next seven years, there were bumper crops everywhere. During these years, Joseph took a portion of all the crops grown in Egypt and stored them for the government in nearby cities. After seven years, the granaries were filled to overflowing. There was so much grain like sand on the seashore that the people people could not keep track of the amount. During this time before the arrival of the first famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of Heliopolis. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget 
all my put troubles. behind me all of my troubles in the family of my father. Mm. That's awesome. And then in verse 52, Joseph named the second son Ephraim, which means double fruit. For he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my suffering. And, and we need to forget our past. Mm-hmm. We need to forget all the things and things that have been done and said against us and, and against others that we know and we love. We got to forget those things because you cannot keep those things in your focal point. And be right with God mm-hmm. and good with Him. Because if we hold that bitterness in our heart, it will hinder our forward progress for it sure. Surely, it surely will. God wants us to forget the things behind us so that we can go forward and go higher in our relationship with Him and in our spiritual journey. You're right. We found it interesting to find that most of the skyscrapers in New York City were built by Indians. I don't I, know if y'all I knew. Know I was, I'm an Indian. Partially. <laughs> I'm partially, but you and know, and I am if, too. We if, both have Cherokee Indian from our and, and family. You got to be careful if you need to be scalped. No, I don't need to be scalped. You don't need to be scalped. <laughs> I don't know anybody that does. Okay. Maybe some critters, but not. I've, we should just keep to our scalped outline. A lot of critters. <laughs> Most of the skyscrapers Deer, in New York City. Squirrels, possums, groundhogs, bobcats. Rabbits? Most of the skyscrapers in New York I City. Can almost every. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Were built by Indians. It's true. The Mohawk Indians are native to the new uh, to New York State. They are famed for their cat-like ability to scamper across girders. They are totally indifferent to heights. It seems to be a genetic trait. A writer spoke of it as early as 1714. And in 1886, the Mohawk Indians built the bridge that spans the St. Lawrence River. You know, the year we got married, up until that year, I was afraid of heights. I know. I mean, I was, my family, my whole family would go up to the fire towers, up on those great big old things. Mm -hmm. I would go to the second floor. And on the second floor, I was shaking. I never got beyond that until one day... I went out to <clears throat> one of those fire towers by myself and I got down and prayed and God delivered me. And right after that, I got the job that I needed to get mm-hmm. so we could get married. And go to Bible college together. Yep. I hadn't been afraid to hide since. His job was working 200 feet in the air, insulating pipes on tanks. Is that what it, they were yep. called? Big big silo things. Yeah, with but anyhow, God will deliver us from whatever it is that tries to put fear upon us. But these Indians were not afraid of heights by any means. They were the riveters on the Empire State Building and Rockefeller Center. Some people are uncomfortable in high places, but the Mohawk Indians seem right at home. Spiritual heights, that means getting closer to God growing closer and closer to Him. Spiritual heights are uncomfortable for some. They want to live in the lowlands of life. But Christ keeps calling us to higher Higher ground. And higher. And higher. Mm -hmm. And we happened to move to a mountain. Didn't we? Yep. And we climb this mountain often. Mm -hmm. We go around to take a trail, but sometimes we just climb up it by a rope. 
You know what? I'm, what I'm saying is whatever God has promised in his word, he is true to it. Mm-hmm. And he will help us every step of the way. Psalms 103 verse 1, it says, praise the Lord. I tell myself, you ever talk to yourself? It says, praise the Lord, I tell myself. With my whole heart, 100% of my heart, I tell myself to praise the Lord. I will praise his holy name. Verse 2, praise the Lord, I tell myself, and never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all. What percentage is that, dear? 100%. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. That is a scripture worth memorizing. That is a promise that we need to to hide in our heart. Psalm 103, verse 3. And you can say, well, I don't really believe that. Well, that's your choice. You can believe if God forgives you and takes you to heaven. Also, you can choose not to forgive, not, not to believe that kind of stuff. But he says he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. You can just as easily choose to believe it. What his promises say. He ransoms me from death and surrounds me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The beautiful and stately Lincoln Memorial containing the cabin in which Lincoln was born is in Hodgenville, Kentucky. There are 56 steps leading up to the entrance, one for each year of Lincoln's life. Is each year of your life a step leading to higher ground? Hmm. Are we growing in our relationship with God every year? And really every, every step of the way, you know, it says, what was it? We, we take each step with purpose. There's purpose in each step. Do you mean to tell me that we can grow closer to God every year of our life? Yep, every day of our life. Every day of our life. Do you believe that? Yeah. I believe it too. I was just checking to see if you <laughs> believe Still believing that. I do. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water, with springs that gush forth in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olives, and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. When you've eaten your fill. So not just a blessing before we eat. Nope, but always be thankful. Even after. For everything he has given us, absolutely. But that is the time to be careful. Beware. When everything is going good, when, you know... God's blessings are all there. That is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, we're talking about forgetting things. These are some things not to forget, okay? Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commandments, regulations, and laws. Don't forget him. Don't forget what's in his word, what you've read when you were a kid mm-hmm. or what you read recently. Don't forget these things. He tells us to be aware, don't fall for the devil's tactic to get us to forget to get Almighty to, God. 
to get distracted. That's right. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, that is a time to be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness <coughs> with poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Hmm. He did it so that you would never think that it was your own strength and energy that made you wealthy. Remember we were talking about our own human efforts? Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you power to become rich. And He does it to fulfill the covenant He made with your ancestors. Some he, other things. Go ahead. Go ahead. Other things not to forget, Deuteronomy 4.9, it says, But watch out, be very careful never to forget what you have seen the Lord do for you. Do not let these things escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. That's amazing. God has given us... The responsibility to prepare the next generation for serving Him, for loving Him, for standing for Him. And the devil will do his darndest to steal the hearts of all of our children. He will do his darndest to do that. Or they don't think about God no more. They don't know if they're a girl or a boy. The devil will do his darndest to steal that. From people's hearts and their lives. You know, I read an interesting article last night after service and I read it to Ronnie. It was written by a mom, just a mom. It just said something about like a mom who'd had enough. And she was just writing about how those that would be called the silent majority in our nation are not being silent anymore because we've had enough. You know, and she was just saying how she listed a lot of the different things that have happened just in the last few months of people just standing up and saying, no, that's not right. You know, whether it had to do with uh, the attacks on the movie Sound of Freedom, which we've encouraged y'all to go see. It's an amazing movie. It's still on in the theaters. You know, it's awesome. And there's a, a movement of God that is is changing the tide concerning especially concerning child uh, sex trafficking, but also just, you know, with adults as well. We were reading about a, uh, an operation that was uncovered, and, and there were over 200 people that were rescued from human trafficking, and 59 of them, I think it was, were children in, in the United States. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. But she listed other things, like with Riley Gaines and her... Uh, you know, her taking a stand and speaking up because nobody else would speak up for her. A female swimmer who has basically been put out of the picture because a biological male has been allowed to compete against women in, in sports. And, and she was just saying, you know, this mom was just saying, we need to speak up. We need to say, I've had enough. You know, and, and it's okay to do that. We need to do it in love. 
We need to do it with joy. We need to be speaking the truth. We need to do it with wisdom. We need, we, we, I'm not saying be out there protesting and be violent and be obnoxious like we see you know, some protests go. But when we are given the opportunity to speak, allow God to show you how to speak and to have that voice. And she went through point after point after point of things that are happening, everything from the, the song about, you know, try that in a small town, all kinds of things. She just listed all these different things. And, and then she said at the end, she said, but let it be known that I, she was a mom of eight kids, she said, I am teaching my children what's right and wrong. And I am teaching my children how to stand up for what we believe in. She said, because it is up to us to prepare the next generation. And we don't need to shrink back from the future that God has for us. Because sometimes the devil would have us to think that we're, you know, that we don't have a say, that we don't have a voice. But we do have a voice. And we can speak with wisdom. We can speak with love. We can speak filled with joy. We can do it with a right heart and a right attitude. But we don't. And do it to honor God. And do it to honor God. Have God before you. Who can be against you? And it's up to us to pass on the things to this next generation. To our kids and our grandkids. The good things that God has done. Years ago we gave uh, our leaders for Christmas. We gave them a a memorial box. It was like a, a curio cabinet, probably about this big that you could hang on the wall and had little shelves and a glass front. And we encouraged them to, to make a memorial box, you know, to put things in it that will spur on conversations that you can have with your kids and your grandkids or anybody else that comes to your house for that matter. And we had things in there. an box. eye patch in there? We did. We had an eye patch <clears throat> just to stir on the conversation of how Within a couple of years, I had a detached retina in both of my eyes and, and how God brought about healing in the midst of that. Now, I, I mean, I was, I was literally going blind. I was steps away from being legally blind just because I was when so excited. Yeah, I wore, you know, my glasses were thick and I don't wear contacts or glasses at all now. You know, just the miracle of what God did. We had a little church building uh, ornament in there just to be able to spur on to tell the, the kids of, of how God provided this church building for Faith Living Church. We had a, a packet of instant oatmeal in there just to use it to tell our kids about the time when our, our oldest son, Judah, almost died of hypothermia. Camping and you know, hiking yeah. in the snow, and he was eating a, a, you know, a bowl of oatmeal when that was taking place. So we put that in there. We had all these different things. I'm going to find it. I know we still have it. When things got shifted around, you know, in, in part of things, we we didn't put it up again. But I'm going to put it up again because I want to tell our children and our grandchildren retell those stories mm-hmm. again. We need, to re-te- we need to tell the stories of the things that God has done because that's what's going to give hope to this generation. That's right. And we can prepare them for the things that God has in store for them. You're right. You know what we should do right now? Ooh. You should not look at the clock. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe just a peek or something or another. But I'd like just to pray with you to declare... 
Christ is Lord over our lives. I pray this all the time. And I just honor him. And even when I get out in the woods by myself, I often get down on my knees and I'll just yield my life back over to God. So I'll make sure he remembers. I know he has been forgotten, but I want to remember it in my own self. So we can bow our heads for just a moment. And would you pray after me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I love you. I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. In the way that you do. In the way that you do. And thank you for revealing yourself to me. And thank you for revealing yourself to me. And helping me every step of the way. And helping me every step of the way. I believe. I believe. That Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ. Is your son. Is your son. The savior of the world. The savior of the world. And I have invited him. And I have invited him. Into my life. Into my life. To rule and control me. To rule and control me. Your will be done. Your will be done. In all areas of my life. In all areas of my life. And where I'm living right now. And where I'm living right now. And what I'm doing. And what I'm doing. May I influence others for you. May I influence others for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.